Welcome to the podcast of MotorWeek, television's original automotive magazine. MotorWeek is made possible by TireRack.com and by RockAuto.com. Here's your MotorWeek podcast host, John Davis. Thank you, Alec Webb, and welcome everyone to MotorWeek Podcast number 125. I am John Davis, and around our table at Studio C and MotorWeek headquarters is our road test producer, Ben Davis. Hey there. Our assistant producer, Greg Carlos. That is me. Our writer and who produces the podcast, Patrick Lucas. Hey now. And we're our very special guest today, who's granting us his appearance, our over-the-edge reporter, Zach Maskell. Good day. Zach, glad to have you with us. Thank you. You managed to not get out of it this time, I see. All right, we've got a lightning round, a viewer question. We're even going to have some rants and raves. But first, um, some vehicles to go over. Let's start with the 2016 Toyota Tacoma. Uh, despite the new GM pickups, uh, still the number one small, midsize, if you please, uh, pickup truck. Um, it has a, a unique following. It's got its own nickname, the Taco. Okay, what do you think of the new Tacoma? <clears throat> Let me start off by saying when it was unveiled at the auto show, I looked at it and said, what's so new about it? Because from the profile, it looks the same, yeah. even though it's basically a new truck, not all new. And uh, the one thing I did like, because it got in it, was I thought the seating position was finally better. But besides that, shoot. Yeah. Um, being the uh, first one in the crew to drive that one, uh, everything you pretty much said is right. You look at it, and it's still every bit of Tacoma. Um, so they didn't really it's, – it's hard to call it like an all-new Tacoma. Well, the it really frame isn't. is basically a rework. Right. It's, it's not a new frame. And you still got drum new. brakes in the rear, um, which they claim is for – off-roading uh, purposes, yeah. Uh, so I don't know how much I believe that. But there is some newness to it. Uh, new engine, 3.5 liter, more efficient. It can run Atkinson cycle with um, Toyota's you know, very well-known variable valve mm-hmm. timing at this point. So, um, And honestly, the carryover four-cylinder doesn't get better fuel economy, really. Um, there's, there's different options. You can have it with a five-speed manual in the four-cylinder. The V6 you can get with a six-speed manual, and then there's some I, yeah I don't get why they've even continued the four-speed manual unless I the, mean because this truck appeals so much to off-roaders, and they're and they're a huge part of the market for this truck or at least wannabes. Do you think that's why they kept the four cylinders? There's some likeness there that I'm not aware of. It's it's possible. Maybe people are just comfortable with buying a four-cylinder. Mm. They they probably won't even look into the numbers and say, like, oh, four-cylinder, yeah, I'm going to be saving the V6 on fuel, more, but the efficient. you the won't 20, really. The 22 RE was a pretty legendary motor, mm. basically. Is it? They just, you know. Yeah. Four-cylinder in a pickup truck's made sense ever mm. since. Yeah. That's true. But, I mean, um, you had mentioned off-road. This thing is an off-road truck for sure. I mean, um there's new crawl control, multi-terrain select, um, all built into the uh, traction control, stability control system. And, I mean, we were in, in Tacoma driving the Tacoma, Washington, that is. And, uh, I mean, this thing handles some serious terrain. And, like you said, the Tacoma is always that they aim more towards off-roaders than maybe, say, the Colorado or Canyon right. will. And it certainly handles it. I mean, it lives up to that expectation and that is the reputation. Yeah, it's it's yeah. not quite as refined as the GM trucks, uh, specifically on the road. But I mean, this thing is a go anywhere, do anything kind of truck, which is cool. That's just why I like it. Do you see any reason why it won't 
maintain its level as the number one small truck. I mean, even in the face yeah. of the GM trucks it has. No. I don't see how it will because, I mean, this the current Tacoma, which is almost 10 years old, was still outselling the GMs. And, I mean, this is and a better GMs, version of that. GMs selling every truck they can make. And now, we, you know, the rumors were this week that – Ford's talking to the United Auto Workers about bringing the uh, new Global Ranger back. Mm-hmm. You know, I, a friend of mine in, um, in Minnesota says the factory's gone. It's been leveled, so I guess they'll build it somewhere else. But um, that would be interesting. But, but that's a fairly big truck. It's even actually bigger than the old Ranger. So, and there's also a big question of how large this market for smaller pickups really is. I uh, read, I don't know if it's a rumor or not, but um, Jeep's greenlit a oh, – yeah. uh, yeah, JK a Wrangler pickup based. truck. Yeah, the one like the concept they showed many years ago. Yeah, finally. And yeah, they're going to build that. Uh, that's kind of, I guess, uh, I've read probably the same thing you did. It's an open secret. They're going to build it in uh, Toledo. So that should sell well. You know, that one would interest me. I, I think that's a great little truck. Okay, well, thanks for the input. I think the gist was you like the Tacoma, right? <clears throat> I do. I like the Tacoma. Yeah, just I would. I mean. If you're going in expecting an all all new truck, just you'll you'll be a little bit disappointed. But if you know what you want and you like a Tacoma, then you certainly won't be disappointed. Does it ride like a Tacoma? It's harsh. It got a little bit better, but it's still it's you know. Still and it's and honestly, ride. that's just a mid sized pickup truck as well. I mean, you're not going to get that full size truck ride, especially with what we've seen with the advances in like a Ram pickup truck. I mean, that thing rides crazy smooth, but it's certainly better, just not. Miles better. And it still has a composite pickup bed. Yes, Which it I does. think is a big deal. Yep. Did you get to test out the crawl control much? I did, yeah. I mean, I, w- I went up up and down a 45-degree incline. And literally, you don't need any skill, honestly. Which you take is every all incredible. your hand, hands if off you, the wheel, feels off well, the pedal. If you can, as long as you can steer, it <laughs> yeah. will handle everything else. It will brake and gas for you. You can set the speed. It's, it's incredible. Moving on. Uh, a uh, truck of a different color, uh, 2016 Audi Q3. Uh, we'll say up front that we're a little late getting to this one. The Q3 actually started rolling into Audi showrooms um, last fall as a 2015. Uh, with all the small crossovers out there, um, we didn't get a chance to test it until just recently. You know, this is a fairly old vehicle. It was out in Europe in 2012. And so even though it's new to the U.S., I guess the one thing that I thought getting in it, I like the size of it and I like a lot about it, but it seemed, um, I don't know, dated, I guess is the best way I could say it. But Q3, Audi, what do you think? Um, you know, that, a- it, Patrick, is, you know, disclosure right. here. Disclosure. He's our Audi, Audi aficionado. You know, I like what the, all the new Audis do, even the base here, the base Q3 and the base A3. They're small. They don't really feel like luxury vehicles like an A6 or like a Q5 or like a Q7 when you really get up there to the really nice Audis. But I don't think that's what the Q3 is supposed to be. It's supposed mm-hmm. to be a small starter crossover for maybe like a small family or like, you know, like a young couple that has a dog or something like that. Um, and I get it. And you want you want a little bit more luxury than, say – a Mazda CX-3 right. or a Honda HRV, and so I, I I do like it, but I agree with you 100%. It does feel a little dated. I don't know why, because I mean it's a pretty new vehicle, but some of the some of the plastics in there yeah. and some of the knobs and buttons they just look like what Audi was doing like three, four, or five years ago. On the plus side, though, it drove 
like you would expect a small SUV or crossover from Audi to drive like. Absolutely. It didn't drive like a bloated hatchback. And I liked that. I yeah. thought I actually really enjoyed driving it. It had a level of refinement that you want going into an Audi dealership and that you honestly probably expect. And like this definitely delivers on it. But, you know, like you get in an A3, and an A3, and everybody else chime in here. Don't let this just be a two-way <laughs> conversation. You get into an A3, and you, you get into a light, tossable automobile. You get into the Q3, and it feels – still handles great, but it feels really solid and nailed down. It's, it's in a totally different feeling. And I compare that to, say, when we got into the X1. I thought the X1 felt like a, a hatchback BMW car. Mm-hmm. Anyway, anybody else? Hang an Audi badge on it. I'm going to buy it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the um, I when I first got into it, the switch gear, like we had mentioned, turned me off a little bit because I was expecting Q5 level of refinement. And then once I started driving it and understanding what it was, um, I was very happy with it. Like everything you guys said, drives like an Audi. It's small, and I can see where. Maybe, uh, like Patrick had said, a young couple with their first luxury vehicle getting into it, or even an older couple who, you know, empty nesters who just got rid of their kids. And, you know, they're so used to driving, you know, a larger SUV. Now they can have a smaller one, but still have the luxury of sitting up high. And, you know, now they've probably got money. So I, you know, certainly people will probably buy it. Zach? I fell in love with the Q5 over time, so getting in this, I kind of had high expectations. My expectations were met. Um, I I kind of disagree with you guys. I still think the interior is kind of up to par. Hmm. Um, I was fine with it personally. Right. Uh, the only couple gripes I had was there's really no rear room under that hatch. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then my other gripe is it's not really as quick off the line as I thought it was going to be. However, it's still nimble and you know, very comfortable, so overall pleased. I haven't seen the demographics of who it's selling to, but I did read something just recently that the millennials, those born around the turn of the century, that are that for a long time we heard they don't want cars, they're not getting their licenses, et cetera. Well, guess what? They're now buying cars, and they're leasing cars more than buying, and they're leasing luxury cars because they can afford them on a lease. All of a sudden, this market has emerged where no one thought it was, and this vehicle is like a perfect vehicle for those folks, young families, Finally, you know, maybe moving to the suburbs, once don't want a Chevy or Ford or, or Chrysler, uh, but can't afford really a Mercedes or an Audi, but they can afford to lease it. So um, our last uh, thing that we want to do is that we do our roundtable here really isn't a car. It's a happening. Zach, we sent you off to cover the Ocean City, Maryland uh, cruise weekend and i i have to say if you're in anywhere in the eastern part of the united states it's it's a well-known you've heard of it you, you had know to weekend of, of just car crazy people getting together how was it what was notable about it uh, had you ever been before it was great i've been almost every year i go down to ocean city a few times a year for car shows uh that's pretty much the only reason i go down there anymore there's uh, 3,500 cars on display in the show alone. So that's going to be anything 1974 and older is eligible for a trophy. But then, of course, you know, everything after that, you got all these American cars coming down and constantly cruising the strip. And then you have everybody else in the car world down there as well.
well. And it's just like there's just little car meets on every single parking lot the entire way you're going down there. There's a modified car left and right. It is a fantastic time. Yeah, there's some burnouts going on. Um, there's some megaphones. Well, gee, I'd be pretty surprised <laughs> if there weren't. You had mentioned like crazy or car crazy people. I think it's more like crazy car people. Crazy car people. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> basically. Yeah. The people that go down for this specific event, the you know the folks that are putting their cars in this show are all people that you know are down there to respect the environment and have a great time. They want it to happen year and year again. And then there's going to be these wannabes that go down there and they just cause trouble. Um, because, you know, the <laughs> adrenaline's pumping, everybody's super excited. I get it. I was young. I'm still young. But I'm saying, like, six, seven years ago, I might have been a part of that group. But, um, you know, now Ocean City is actually trying to crack down on that stuff. So uh, we'll check into that in the future. But, yeah, fantastic time. I mean, they have a car show at the main inlet at the bottom. They have auctions going on for three or four days for cars, memorabilia. Um, Christy Brimberry from Fast and Loud was there. Tom... Uh, Wopat, or oh, yeah. his name from sure. Dukes of Hazard yep, was there. Um, so, I mean, the folks that put this on do an incredible job. And uh, I don't really see this moving from Ocean City anytime soon. But uh, just loads and loads of people, loads of cars. There, You see something new every single day. Is it easy if someone decided to go down, you know, a few weeks ahead of time? You're going to want to book your hotel a long ways out. That's what that's I was for sure. sold out already for, for next 16. year. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah, so that's going to be the 26th anniversary coming up this year. I'm sure mm-hmm. it is already sold out. Um, but then again, you know, you can always look for places. Uh, it's going to be probably a half-hour drive for you. But um, you might get lucky. I mean, I always wind up finding somewhere to crash. It's not that hard if you're okay with couch surfing or whatnot. <laughs> crash, no pun intended. Yeah. Hey, you're not going to sleep anyway because the yeah. <laughs> wide-open pipes rip till 4 a.m. Oh, yeah, no, it, it's a, it is the entire night you will not sleep, mm. man. It is Drowns incredible. out the ocean, no problem. Oh, my gosh, yeah, it, it's beautiful. Be sure to catch uh, Zach's uh, uh, recap uh, on uh, Motor Week, and if you miss it on the episode, uh, hit it. Uh, head on over to our YouTube site. It'll live there forever. Uh, it sounded like a lot of awfully good time. I'm embarrassed to say in all the decades I've lived in Maryland, I hadn't, haven't been to it. Maybe next year. You're a busy guy. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, okay, let's move on now to our lightning round. Uh, okay, we've got two minutes. We sort of chat back and forth about an automotive topic, and when we run out of steam or the two minutes is up, uh, Patrick hits the bell. It does seem like we've talked about this before, and here we go again. Recalls, recalls, recalls. This was the year of recalls, a record number. Many, in fact, are still open and active, and we're primarily talking about safety recalls here, but also recalls of any type. Um, These days, manufacturers are basically doing recalls almost at the drop of the hat. But here's the question. Should sellers, and I'm talking here individuals as well as dealerships, be allowed to sell a vehicle with an open safety recall, something that has to do with the safety of the vehicle. Should the sale or the registration of the vehicle with an open recall be illegal? I point out, too, that uh, just recently, AutoNation, the biggest uh, car dealership of the group in the country, said that they will not sell any used car that has an open safety recall. They normally have 80,000 vehicles in their inventory, and about 10%, they say, have open recall. So, and, and the other dealer, the big dealership uh, organization, uh, NADA, has not backed that. So, so what do you think? Should, if you're an individual and you've got a car, and say it's an old one, you know, 20 years old, and 
you know, you want to get rid of it? Should you have to basically spend a ton of money to get it, uh, or wait, I should say, on the sale to get it uh, fixed under a recall? What do you think? I uh, I see the the fairness and the uh, importance of that, but I, I think there should be a year limit set, maybe eight years or so, or you know, I don't see a car twenty years old. I don't I don't see how we should be forced as a seller to 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 check that i mean the first thing i do when i I buy a lot of old cars and the first thing i do is a vin check to see if there's any open recalls that i need to have done well theoretically Um, the recall would still be covered by the manufacturer so somebody else would pay for it sure yeah i mean it's nothing out of your pocket um but I, i don't see how they could go back as far as 20 years to enforce that as a as a seller do you think it should be illegal to register a car if it's got an open recall i do yeah it's a pain for me it's a pain for them it's just all around i mean you're you're selling damaged goods i don't want that i looked up uh, a typical carfax and they will point out when there's a recall open but um what i saw it didn't look like it really stipulated what kind of recall there could be lots of recalls open um we're primarily what we're talking about here is something where you know where the car a wheel falls off the car stops dead in the middle of the interstate I'd like to see the auto ind- the auto retail industry step up and follow auto nations. I-, I don't want to see a lot of legislation because legislation just is cumbersome. But it seems to me that reputable dealers ought to say, we're not going to sell a car that's got an open re- uh, safety recall, period. So I don't know. You could, you could be breeding an underground market on Craigslist, though. Well, that's very true. Uh, somebody's got, you know, because what this will happen if, you know, this has ripple effects. If you take a car into a dealership and you're trading it in, they're going to use the fact it's got an open recall as an excuse to give you less money for your car because it's going to take them time and effort to get that car fixed, even if the manufacturer's picking up the price for the parts. So it is going to cost the seller of the vehicle some money. So what's the consensus? Zach says it should be illegal. I think dealers ought to voluntarily, like AutoNation, not do it. Any other comments? Illegal is a strong word. But get the industry on board, and let's get the the safe cars off the road. Thank you for delaying that a little bit while we went on. All right. Let's talk uh, uh, at a viewer question or talk at Eric, who asked a viewer question. What is the deal – With the gas guzzler tax that he hears us mention from time to time, especially when we're talking about something like a Lamborghini, and is it still relevant these days? For anybody that's interested in ancient history, the gas guzzler tax was instituted in 1978 during one of the energy shocks. It it basically said that if the... car, and it did not pertain to trucks and still doesn't, didn't get a combined city highway uh, cafe number of 22.5, and this is not the number on the sticker. This is the you know, the pure number, um, that basically it got this tax, and there was a couple of levels of the tax, I think. You know, it ended up being a tax on, tax on rich people. Uh, is it still revel- relevant today? Should we still even have it? Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I understand it, you know, for, you know, if you want to clean up the environment, you got to start somewhere. And that's by taxing companies that make cars that generally aren't very eco-friendly. Um, but I know it's still, I mean, I still hear about it. It's some of the supercars like a Veyron right. will have it or. Every time we get a Bentley. Or yeah, or they'll have it. But honestly, I mean, it's, 
for you and me, it might be a lot of money, but for somebody who's buying a three hundred, four hundred thousand dollar car, it's like whatever. I don't, I don't really care. So, so it gets to be a tax on a rich. Yeah, person, I think it's good that, that it's there, and it's like mm-hmm. a little bit of a reminder. You know, who knows? Maybe it's it's the one thing that turns somebody into like a uh, eco freak. It says like, ooh, I don't, <laughs> I don't want to have that. <laughs> I don't want to have that title of a gas guzzler. So maybe I'm not going to buy this Bugatti. Do you, do you think maybe when uh, when the cafe standards are tightened more, which is what, in a couple of years? Or well, yeah, I mean it's tightening up about four percent a year from right. now through twenty twenty five. You think this tax is going to keep going up or go away? This, or this it hasn't changed, and frankly, if given the makeup of our current government, it's so split, it probably won't be going up. But you certainly could see a a scenario where uh, manufacturers could start getting penalized if they uh, make a lot of vehicles that fall under the cafe and they have to meet cafe by buying credits from somebody else. So, I mean, I don't think it's out of the realm of impossibility that we could see it come back and expand. I do just want to add in that it's not just uh, your luxury supercars or whatnot. I mean, I remember a few years back, it V8s. was even on the BMW M5s, yeah, yeah. all the eight cylinders and yeah. stuff like that. It was really just something that the government put in place to try to keep buyers, you know, to try to discourage you from mm-hmm. buying that vehicle. Um, however, I'm really curious, you know, does that money actually go towards making a greener what do you think (laughs) with the deficit that that we run in this country it just probably theory it was supposed to (laughs) yeah in in 2018 i just want to add real quick Mm -hmm. president obama is uh going to be making every 18 wheeler um you know have to abide by a certain amount of mpgs correct so i just felt like adding that in there yeah as a matter of fact it's kind of like the last great frontier in fuel economy for the for road work and the 18 wheelers you know right now we see them going down the road with these uh undercarriage skirts on the trailers and some have wings off the back uh you're going to see a lot more of that stuff plus some real innovations in powertrains they've got engines that they've been showing for a few years now that that actually do run on a combination of gasoline and diesel depending on what cycle they're in there's all sorts of innovations coming for 18-wheelers. Clean so, cities. Yeah. Pay attention to your clean city yeah. segments. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on. That truck that passes and tries to blow you off the highway is going to look a little different <laughs> in the future. Okay, thanks, Eric. I hope we sort of rambled around your uh, question. And that was kind of a rant and rave, but we've still got our rant and rave section. Is there anything sticking in your craw this week <laughs> that you want to talk about? I've actually got nothing to rant about this week. <laughs> what do you think? I, I got one. What? Yeah. There's only a couple, I see, a couple of states in the country that have radar detectors that are illegal. Do you have an opinion on that? I mean, Virginia and I think, what, is it the District of Columbia? Is that it? There's, there's not I know Virginia is definitely one of them because I well, see Virginia the signs. Virginia is, absolutely. Virginia's got crazy traffic laws. It's like, do you think as an individual, and I'm not trying to promote speeding here, but, uh, you know, do you think that, Government's got any business getting in the, involved in that? They are overstepping their boundaries. Do people use radar detectors? Yeah, all the time. Really? Yeah. yeah. I always thought associated as like an old, like my dad had one when I was like growing up under a hat well, on the dashboard, well, and it, it would just constantly beep. Right. Yeah, my dad had one too, but I think it's, it's like a, a really. It looked like an isn't old. Isn't it piece illegal in eighteen wheelers? Uh-huh. It's. I think there's rules. At least in there Maryland, I think it's like. Yeah, there's weird rules where like it's fine in cars, but you can't have it in say an eighteen wheeler. Uh-huh. Um, but I th- I'm on the side of being able to, you know, defend yourself because everybody speeds, and it's not. You don't even have to be going egregiously fast. 
sometimes you get pulled over by a cop who's having a bad day when you're going maybe like seven or eight miles per hour. Man, they can. Keep I mean, down. I hate yeah. to sound like I'm getting heated here, and I. It's just that it sounds you know. Personal. Well, I think it is personal. <laughs> when I get a speeding ticket, it's personal. If they're, if they're allowed to be sneaky and and do these things and ah, kind of catch me doing go. it, yeah. like I should be able to have a defense against them. Well, that's why least. they have radar detector detectors. It's a real thing. Yeah. So if yeah. you see a cop and you're running a, detect, a detector in those states, man, unplug it as soon as you can and throw it under the seat. Yeah, because they've yeah, the Virginia police actually do have detectors. Mm-hmm. And then they'll put you in jail. Yeah, then, then there's the next part of this, and we should wrap this up in a second, oh. where they came out with a, st- a story. You want to talk? I've never, oh, you didn't say anything. God, I've, I've never. Far owned, be it from me to shut Ben Davis up. I'm Come. sorry. I've never owned a radar detector. I've been pulled over a lot of times for speeding. And I think as a nod to me never not having a, a radar detector – uh, maybe the cops are cool with me not trying to pull one over on them and give me a warning because Whoa, I've never gotten an actual go. ticket. But I think if I were a police officer and I pulled somebody over for speeding and they had a radar detector in there, say it, did, the say it didn't them. work that time, you're like, yeah, I mean, I'm trying to do my job here and you're trying to keep me from doing my job. So, blam, I'm doing my job 100%. That's why you got to hide them. I think if I – yeah, but I mean a, a policeman has got to be wise to where you could possibly hide it and it still be functional. I'm yeah. telling you, man. I was all about that stuff when I first got my cars. <laughs> they would never knew that I had radar yeah, I mean I think it comes with a little bit of age now because here Zach and I on this side of the table are like in our mid-20s and then Ben's gotten a little bit older now. I think he's seen the era of his at least 28. <laughs> yeah, we're, you all young, we're all young and cocky on this side of the table. You wouldn't even think about putting a radar detector in your car because it's just too much work. Well, I mean, and it's <laughs> well, too much work only, for me now. Well, back when I could – Back when I was your age, they were it was too much money. Yeah, yeah, so, they were expensive. And the, the good, good ones, ones these the days ones. are still a little yeah. pricey. Yeah. One more. Well, let's take this one step further. Uh, the Insurance Institute for Highway Safety came out with a report in the last week or two that's that looked at Montgomery County, uh, Maryland, which uses a lot of portable radar detectors on the street, radar uh, speed control. Uh, cameras is what I'm talking about. And they were saying that when they compare that to next door uh, a Virginia County that doesn't do that, they found a huge drop in accidents and all sorts of things in Montgomery County. And they're purporting that communities all over the country start erecting this, this oh massive uh, no. uh, web of, uh, <laughs> of radar no. cameras. Uh, yeah. On the highway, when people drive by those things, they just slam on their brakes when they think they're, oh, they're going to be photographed. And then, they're ex- way and more then accelerate. They are help. <laughs> yeah, I guess these are portable and they move around a lot. But anyway, I, I know uh, on our uh, interstates in, in Maryland, when they put up the sign, you know, uh, or where you know there's one of the cameras, everyone slows for about 30 seconds. They think they're so sneaky hiding these Jeeps with cameras on them behind porta pots <laughs> on the highway. I see a porta pot, I'm automatically <laughs> lifting my foot off the gas for a little bit. But it is humorous when you drive by and see, like, a water bottle get thrown at one of those trucks or something. It, uh, don't speed, folks. Don't speed. We're, yeah. not, we're not trying to, to speed, get to speed. Don't speed. Keep everything be, inside the vehicle. We do believe in safe driving, but sometimes we just wonder if uh, some of the things to try and uh, get the, uh, the few po- folks that really – been the rule a lot uh, are worth it and i think it was worth it but that's it for our podcast number 125 from our motor week studios i want to thank our audio engineer jim bigwood for making us sound much more intelligent than we probably really are our podcast creator bob mixter and our podcast producer patrick lucas the guy with the bell 
Thanks very much, everyone, for joining us. Uh, be sure to watch Motor Week weekly on your local public television station and also in Velocity. Uh, right here, we'll be back in a couple of weeks with another podcast. Till then, drive safely, and thanks for watching, listening, and viewing Motor Week. You have been listening to the podcast of Motor Week, television's original automotive magazine. Motor Week is made possible by TireRack.com and by RockAuto.com. For additional information on podcasts, videos, and showtimes, visit our website at MotorWeek.org. And watch Motor Week, television's longest-running automotive magazine series, each week on your local PBS station.